Oh boy. Hello, sir. What's up? We're back. <laughs> Episode 63. Yes, we are. Yep. I remember when this song came out, like club age, you know, and just seeing people walking around the club doing this dance like they're doing right here. <laughs> <laughs> man those are the good old days yes so we got some things to talk about we have captain kirk getting blasted off into outer space today <laughs> to boldly go where captain captain kirk actually never went before <laughs> how crazy is it 90 years old i know it's nuts it he really is looks great for 90 years old you know, I was watching an episode of Ancient Aliens recently, and they actually had him on kind of like, I guess you could say, for lack of a better description, like moderating a discussion amongst like some of the the quote unquote ancient astronaut theorists. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, man, he's sharper than most like 60 or 50 year olds, to be quite honest. I tell you who he's and he's I mean, he looks he looks fantastic for 90. He looks, he looks fantastic. He's sharper than the leader of the free world. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, a, a fucking snowball is sharper than the leader of the free world, to be quite honest. Dude, I, you know what? I feel like, I feel like this today. So let's just indulge right into the poison here. I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna... <laughs> it's, it's one of those weeks, huh? Yeah, just because this it's just uh, I feel like laughing, man. I feel like laughing. It's just been everything. <laughs> I was thinking before uh, before uh, we, we started, I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many groans and head shakes of disgust am I going to get from the sit this week? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yes, we will. <laughs> so today is going to be a, a Crown Royal Regal Apple Day. Ah, very nice. You know what? No, no, no. No, and the only reason I'm going to go back to the Noble Oak is for one reason and one reason only. That's the uh, reason right that's, there. That's a nice one. It is a nice one. I'm going to go with that. That one was solid, without a doubt. Yep. Let's see if I could get mine going. So I got a Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich. I don't know how the hell you pronounce it. What else? It's CH, so for me, it's Glenfiddich. But let's see if I could get it. Oh, 15 year, by the way. Let's see what we can get here. Oh, oh. a little better. That was wonderful from this perspective. That's right. It'll taste even better. Mm, cheers, my friend. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Poured it over my uh, my asteroid device. Salute. <laughs> Salute, my friend. Going back and forth. Different news, news outlets today. I've always been fascinated by outer space. And just the idea that you sent somebody from Star Trek into outer space for the actual first time ever 90 year old man like we were just saying uh, and then <clears throat> i must have just left it on i turned the tv on so obviously it starts back up in like the last channel that i was on and it was just in time for joe biden's speech you catch any of it today i did not well you didn't miss anything basically what i got from it was he finally realized that it's time to start getting some of these ships out of the ocean that are full of cargo Maybe it's time to, oh, to, to start getting on it. 
and what I'm thinking is, is that he really sees the fact that he's probably not going to be able to get his PlayStation Five for Christmas. <laughs> once they so. started, once they started talking about how there's going to be product delays and people aren't going to be getting Christmas presents this year because the supply chain is just completely fucked, then it was time for him to do something. So uh-huh. basically, the moral of of what his his his, his stump speech was today was that he was saying that the, basically we're going to be getting a lot of these ports operating on 24 seven schedules, which begs the question. I mean, what were they doing before? I mean, not five o'clock means five o'clock, man, we're stopping. I don't care how many hundreds of <laughs> ships are sitting in the middle of the Pacific. And I mean, I, I feel like there's some things that tie together. I mean, I, I added some ideas here. I mean, and, like we have all these ships they're sitting there and the supply chain has just been hot topic for a few weeks now something that happened in in just in regular conversation a lot of people don't even know that there was an oil spill in california that was caused they're saying by one of the anchors from one of these boats yeah yeah supposedly from what i understand one of these boats had dropped anchor and drag the pipeline and ended up ended up um just severing it from what i understand yeah there was like a 13 inch gas in it oopsie jesus <laughs> oopsie yeah. you know oh sorry but i mean there's got to be we've got to be pushing to get a lot of these people to go back to work man but not only that like like i started to say these yeah ports, these ports uh, yeah they only have limited hours like they're, they're not when there's ships sitting out there like the foreman won't grant a couple hours overtime to somebody like, Hey, we got to get these things unloaded or what is well, it? From, from what I've heard from this, it seems like it's, um, they can't, they can't find work at all. They can't, they can't find people to fill the jobs, which is absolutely fascinating. If you ask me. Yeah. But who was working there before? I don't know. Every, everybody just awesome. left. I mean, I get it. A lot of places, you know, when this whole pandemic, well, I get it's, um, when the pandemic first started, I get it. A lot of people that were eligible we, to we, retire, we, they left. Yeah, right. yeah. So from what I what I understand from this too is that it's not just working the ports to unload the ships. From what I understand, there's a, a shortage of of truckers and all the logistics to get these goods from the ports to actually their their final destination, if you will, for lack of better description. Uh, apparently, there's there's need for these workers along the way, and apparently, there aren't enough people to fill the jobs. But where did all these people go? I mean, there's help wanted signs everywhere, right? We don't have, I mean, did that many people really die off in COVID that now we, we have a shortage of people to like get back to civilization as, as it once was? Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, it's it's hard to say. It's just, I, I don't know. I guess like all all along the logistical chain, if you will, seems like there's people that are missing in key positions to keep moving the product. Well, why can't so, we find them? I mean, there's it, there's sign-on incentives across the board for people to get back to work now. Has it just been so long that people are just people just got accustomed to just staying at home? Well, it's interesting too because um, there's been uh, uh, this whole thing for the past six months that I've seen about called the Great Resignation, and a lot of people kind of a lot of economists and and I don't know labor experts or whatever 
um, have been predicting this quote unquote great resignation from last year until now. And they're basically saying that the pandemic has kind of caused a lot of people to reevaluate what they do every day, like for their, for their, for their profession and uh, has really pushed people into considering new, new careers altogether. So you have to wonder if that has something to, to do with it as well, because um, I mean, every sector of business, I don't think one has really been spared, but it seems like every sector of business has seen some sort of job casualties, uh, people leaving, just changing careers altogether. Mm. So it's yeah. pretty interesting. It's been a long time since I bought up like a, an actual newspaper, but it'd be interesting to just look through the classified sections. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I mean, there's so many different outlets now. Monster, Indeed, you know, there's so many different avenues where people kind of job hunt online. But, you know, like you said, like, it, there's help wanted signs everywhere, everywhere. And I think I sent mm -hmm. you a video. I, I was, it was just irritated. I was leaving the grocery store and there's somebody sitting there <laughs> panhandling. And he, the audacity, right across the street, there's an, uh, what's it, Ad, Adco or something? It's basically a, yeah. a job service provider. They're sitting right there with a giant sign in the window that says, we have plenty of jobs. Mm -hmm. this guy's just, he's just sitting there in the rain, just waiting for a handout. Like, yeah, I get it, man. Sometimes people, sometimes people fall on hard times, but I feel like more than ever. And it was kind of funny that day because... As I was driving there, like all these different spots that had these panhandlers, they all had the same like clear poncho. So it's almost like they, they met at whatever their shop is and the boss was handing out said, get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, their 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 pimp was out there. But they used to be so do. much more ambitious though, right? Like I remember back in the day growing up, like you'd pull up to an intersection and there would be a guy hustling. There'd be a guy selling newspaper. There would be a guy washing windows. You know, uh -huh. like they used to provide a service. Now they just sit and just look for that. Handout. It's just I don't get it. I don't get it. It's just because it's it's we we've gotten to uh, we've gotten to a point in society where where we blindly and I, I, I this is kind of like my perspective on it is that we we blindly feel bad for for people who appear to be homeless or something like that. And if you see a lot of these, a lot of these people, and I've seen a lot of a lot of similarities between a lot of them, they all have a sign that's very well written, that's you know perfect penmanship, and it says homeless and hungry, uh, anything will help, God bless or something like that. Here's my. This is why I don't contribute to any of them. Well, you got to love the one that's standing there with the sign, perfectly done, holding the cigarette behind his back, <laughs> like twelve bucks a pack. And you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but here, you know, here's my thing: if you have the wherewithal to write a perfect sign like that, then you have the wherewithal to actually get motivated and go to work. It goes to show me that you actually have no relatively normally functioning brains. Um, so that's you know, the, these are all things to really keep in mind when you see a lot of these panhandlers. Now, the real people who need help are the ones who are walking around aimlessly, really look completely disheveled. You know that they are homeless. They're talking to themselves. They're, you know, pulling cigarette butts out of, out of a trash can, trying to light whatever, whatever tobacco's left in them and all that other stuff. Those are the people that really need help. Not the people who are standing on a corner, uh, you know, 
and understand where all the quote unquote traffic is so they can, you know, wait for people to roll down their windows to give them stuff. I give nothing because I know that these are, these are strict panhandlers. These aren't people that actually need help as far as I'm concerned. No. And if they really want help, I mean, we live in the United States. You can, you can find places that, that, you know, nonprofit organizations that can help people that are homeless, that, that can do all that sort of stuff. So if you're willing to travel from God knows where you are to a street corner or a traffic light where, you know, there's a lot of traffic, people are going to give you money. You're, you're, all you are is a parasite on, on society. I'm sorry. I, I hate to put it in that perspective, but unfortunately that that's what a lot of these people are. That, that's the perspective. That's what they're doing. You're, they're, yeah. that's, but that's exactly the definition of what a parasite is. It's something that latches onto something. It's host and, and just basically exists off of them. They just sponge off of their, their host and which is what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. They're just sitting. And the thing is, is just like you said, you know, there's, there are people that, that need help. There are those people, you know, with schizophrenia or other mental illnesses that are stuck out on the street and just can't put it together. Meanwhile, I mean, you have people, it sounds simple, but somebody with schizophrenia to that degree where they're living on the street, because there are, there, are, I mean, there's people that are able to succeed with schizophrenia. It's, it's not yeah. a death sentence. Um, but left untreated, um, these people they're they're walking around, they can't put it together. But meanwhile, you have people who are in touch with traffic flow. So they know the right place to stand. I mean, it seems like it's basic, right? You just, oh, here's a busy intersection. If I was like, that's where they're, but they understand that they could, they could comprehend that. So with that, like you said, like these people, they could put two and two together. I mean, exactly. There's there's plenty of places like take this, take these these ports for example. They need laborers. Labor, yeah. like you don't need to you don't need to do rocket science to be a laborer. You just have to have two arms, two feet. And that's it. Yeah, and ambition to get up and go to work every day. That's it. It's not hard. It, it really is. I mean, I, I hate to. Is I mean, there's there's no other explanation for it. You know, get your ass up in the morning and go to work. It's that simple. We don't do too much with like hard labor these days, you and I. But when we do, it's it's typical for, for home, right? You're doing something for yourself. Yeah. And then what what is the best thing about the end of the day? Sitting and just having that ice cold beer at the end of a hard day, right? People look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what? Well, you know, you know what though? Like, so yes, I, you know, I have a, I have a profession. I work with my brain as opposed to my hands, but I came from a community where all the men and all the women did physical work, whether it was working in a factory, it was working in a restaurant, it was working construction. They did a lot of physical work and That's growing character. up. Absolutely. Growing up, my dad put my ass to work from a very, very young age. I mean, I was literally mowing the lawn on a ride-on lawnmower at the age of five, and I did it literally for 20 years. Well, at least okay. you had a ride-on. I had to push it. <laughs> well, we, we, had, we had an acre and a half of land, so <laughs> it would have taken me forever to do it with, with a push mower. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the point of the matter is when you do that, when, when, you, when you do physical labor, when you have, like, something that you have to do, like, whether it's mowing the lawn, it's, you know, digging a hole for something or like planting a tree. You have to dig a hole for it, planting a garden, any of that other stuff. It, it yes, it's physical labor. It's tiring. It, it's somewhat painful, 
you're going to sweat a lot doing it. You're going to probably going to bitch and moan about it for whatever reason. But at the end of it, you really have a sense of accomplishment. Like, you know, people often say in your profession, you need to have a sense of purpose. Like, you know, what, what are you doing for society? Like for me, I have a sense of purpose because I work in medicine. I work in infectious diseases. So I, you know, I try to make sure that, that patients who need the right antibiotics are getting them. That's my sense of purpose and, and making that better for patients. But when you, when you're doing physical labor, like I see it, like I, I can visualize it a lot with, with carpenters, with, with bricklayers, with, uh, you know, people who build stone walls, like you're actually building something you could put your hands on, you could touch. And at the end, when you're done looking at it, you have a serious sense of accomplishment, like probably more so than most other professions, because you've actually made something. You put in a lot of physical effort and you made something that's tangible. You can look at it, you could touch it, you can feel it, you can smell it. And that that gives you a real good feeling as as a human being, sense of purpose that you've that you've basically, you know, brought to life essentially. Why people don't have that desire anymore? It just because for me, it seems like people, as time goes on, people have less of a sense of purpose. I I'm 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 baffled by that to be quite honest. And I don't know if it's that they've been ingrained into thinking that society owes them something that that they don't need to do anything to get something for it. It's I, I don't know. It's baffling. Do you think that it, it might be fair to say that really we have an epidemic where people are just losing their sense of pride? You know, um, it's our built-in reward system where we just understand that at the end of a long day after accomplishing something, you know, whether it's in medicine or whether it's, you know, building somebody's wall, you know, someone's home, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, you've done something, you feel the accomplishment, like, I'm glad that's over. You know what I mean? Even if it's not, I'm glad that's over. But like, you know, if you're saying I'm glad that's over, that means you served a purpose, like you were just saying. Exactly. So what do you think is doing, because it's a different type of person today as 30, 40, 50 years ago. I mean, look how much harder. People are a lot softer nowadays. A hundred percent. So you think like it's just that that's just leading to people expecting things to be handed to them. Take, for example, even in sports, right? Even in sports, kids, they get their participation trophies. People make jokes about now, right? So even at that age, there's no reward for hard work, for it's not to say with sports because a lot of that just comes down, especially at young ages, it's just kind of comes down to natural ability. Like, a, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I kind of scoffed at the idea of participation trophies. And then I had my, you know, my son in, in T-ball this past spring and early summer. And, you know, he's four years old. He doesn't understand what it is to be competitive. He doesn't even understand the fucking sport, right? To be quite honest. So, I mean, like just to see that excitement on his face, like, oh, I got a trophy. He doesn't know what it means. If it means like I'm a champion or, you know, I didn't get a trophy, so I'm a loser or something like that. It was, it was nice to see him get excited. I think we're yeah, really I don't think the start- idea of participation trophies was like it, people weren't directing their frustration of it towards four-year-olds though. Yeah. I, I think where you start to, where you start to see the impact of that, like the real impact of that in terms of people thinking that, that now they're, they're owed something is that when kids start to get into their early teens, when they start to develop into being an adult, 
now you're starting to influence them to think that no matter what their what their effort is, they're going to get rewarded, and that's that's wrong. That really is wrong. Um, four or five years old, I, they don't they don't really understand competition. They they just want to have fun. But like once kids start getting to that age where they understand competition, and they understand that they need to work their ass off to win, um, if you just reward them just for whatever whatever result they find that's where you're going to have a major impact on their on their psychology when it comes to that as far as i'm concerned now again that's this is me just you know dumb pharmacist thinking about some no psychiatrist or psychologist so what the hell do i know but that that's that's what i'm observing with with that but i mean getting to the bigger picture like we were just talking about i think people are a lot softer nowadays and I don't know what it is. I think it's I think it's that unfortunately I think we are slowly transitioning to a more socialist type of society. And it's scary because because I see what is happening with us or I So my my cousin's husband who's Italian, he moved here about 10 15 years ago or so within that time frame. Um, so he's been living in the United States for that, for that time. And uh, he was just in Italy this past summer. He, he went back to visit family. Unfortunately, his father actually passed away while he was there. He was, he was terminally ill with, with cancer, uh, but he, he happened to be there when his dad passed away. So he came back and this past weekend, we had a family gathering and, uh, and I was talking to him about, it. I was like, so, you know, how is Italy? How are people doing there? Um, cause I know that, you know, they have a socialist, basically government socialist society, and there's been issues for years, years for their economy and, and work and all that other stuff. He's like, he's like, people just, you know, they, they, they live their lives every day. I was like, are they working? He's like, no, they don't work. He's like, if they do, they don't, they don't make that much. And this is anyway, he's like, but they don't care. They don't, they don't really think about tomorrow. They, they live for today. He's like, people are out at restaurants or out at clubs at bars. They don't care. They just go out and, you know, they don't own anything. Everybody lives in an apartment, like, you know, especially within like the, the urban areas. So not only like within the actual cities, but the suburban areas as well. Um, he's like, you know, they, they just don't care. They don't, they don't care about their future. They live about, they, they, they live only for today is basically what he was getting to. He's like, they have no desire to go to work. They have no desire to try to earn a paycheck because they're going to get some sort of government handout anyway. So to me, that's a preview of where we are heading right now here in the United States, because the government is intervening too much in people's lives on a daily basis. And rewarding them for things that they really don't, that they have no reason to get a reward for. So that's why I think we're in the situation that we're in, why people are a lot softer. And this isn't something for 20, 30 years. It's been a slow drip. It's been occurring. So something to keep in mind there. No, I, I think you're right. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with somebody years ago. You know, I started to kind of start paying more attention to, you know, what people kind of living off the government's tea, if you want to say that. And I remember seeing, uh, basically, was saying that 
there's people that'll just take what the government gives them and they're they're just sitting on a, a milk crate all day you know outside of a liquor store or something like that and this is the life that they get but we're, we're paying to support this person and x y and z and his retort was just basically saying like he's like listen if this all he wants to do fine he was fine with the idea that that somebody could do that i was disgusted right me too somebody, and it's just like but you you work hard you you work for a living, you go places, you go on vacation, you get to see things, you have a much better life than what he has. So, I mean, there's, it kind of made me do things a little bit different just in regards to like, okay, well, you know, yeah, I, I could be a sponge and just sit on this milk crate, but that guy's never going to go to, you know, to the islands or anything like that. He's never going to go to Europe. He's never going to travel. He's never going to see anything, right? He's going to live on that. He probably hasn't left the city that he lives in, in, in months. But that, and that, that, that's a question that I have for society. It's like, why don't you have the desire to make your life better? I mean, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. It takes, it takes effort. It takes a lot of hard work. I mean, I, I make a very good salary doing what I do, but I didn't get here because somebody gave it to me. I got here because I earned it. I worked my ass off. I mean, even now I'm working, you know, I'm working more now than I was at the last job that I had. I'm working 10, 12, sometimes 16 hour days because I have incentive to get things done faster and get things done more efficiently. So but I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine why, why other people don't have it, it. And it's not, you don't have to do what I do. You don't have to become a doctor. You don't have to become a neurosurgeon or a or an astrophysicist or something crazy like that, but even just get a career, get, you know, do some sort of a trade, become a plumber, become a carpenter, do something, go fucking mowing lawns. I don't know. Washing cars. There, there is a guy that I went to high school with. He has a, he has a car detailing business. It doesn't take a lot of brain effort to be a, a car detailer, but he's damn good at what he does. And I, I don't expect people to go get a fucking PhD. I, 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 I'm, I'm fascinated by, by people who, who can do this every day and accomplish nothing. Like, I, I don't know. Like, and that's the thing that separates us from, from the rest of the animal world is that we try to advance our species. We try to advance our, our, our way of life, the, you know, our, our, the, the human condition, as a lot of people put it. Why don't you want to contribute to that? I, I, it's fascinating to me. Like people who just sit there and just kind of, you know, <laughs> like just let, it, it's almost like you start a movie on the TV and you just let it play, but nobody's watching it. It's like, you just let it kind of, you let it run its, its course. You let it run its duration. That's exactly what you're doing as a human being with your life. You're letting it, you're letting your life run its course by just doing nothing and just from the log. I don't know. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I think that's a great analogy. Like I was saying there, I mean, if, if you guys caught the caught what the gist of what I was saying between all the freezes and 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 curse words and so on and so forth. I mean, I, you really need to have a sense of purpose in life. And, and 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 all you know, all joking aside, I think I think as a human being, that's really what what makes us unique on the face of this earth is that we don't just you know, you don't just get up in the morning, you kind of like try to find what your next meal is. And, and if you're able to do that, then you're successful for the day. I mean, we're at a point in society where we can do more than that. We could do significantly more than that. And we have been doing that for, for 
hundreds, if not thousands of years, just improving the human condition. And everybody in society really has to contribute to that. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. And it doesn't matter what it, it doesn't, you don't have to be a Nobel Peace Prize winner. You don't have to invent some like crazy thing for, for, for people to use. It's as simple as getting up in the morning, sweeping a floor. I mean, you're doing something. I feel like this in, is going to turn into that. It's going to turn into that speech by that admiral where he's like, talks about how you, all you have to do is make your bed and then you're going to be successful. Yeah, that, I, I think what you're referring to is is Rear Admiral Rear Admiral uh, William McRaven, who was commander of Joint Special Operations Command for for the U.S. during the war on terrorism for the past twenty years. He retired recently. I forgot how how recently. And what you're referring to is the speech, the graduation he, speech he gave at University of Texas, te- Texas, Texas, a few years back. Um, and he, he spoke about that. So he, he was, he was a Navy SEAL. He went, he was a Navy, went through, went through SEAL training and actually was on one of the first SEAL team six teams. So he had been in the Navy, you know, even after he had gotten out of the teams and kind of moved up as time went on and lo and behold became, uh, you know, the, the commander or whatever you want to call it for joint special operations command. So he oversaw all of special operations force, um, missions, whether it was like Delta Force, SEAL Team 6, regular SEAL teams, Rangers, Task Force 160 for, for um, I think, their, their Air Force. But you, you kind of get the point. And he, what he was doing in that graduation speech is just saying, like, you know, like, just have small victories every single day, and it'll help you get through whatever you're doing. That's what, but you need to have motivation to do that. You need to have a sense of purpose. And again, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Get up in in the morning or, or whatever your shift is and go to your job and do it. That's that's all society is asking of you. If you're sitting there and doing absolutely nothing, you're not doing anything for society. If anything, you're holding society back. And it's it, it's a tragedy. It really is. It's a waste of a life for you to do absolutely nothing with it. But anyway... <laughs> Hopefully this rent doesn't crash the internet once again. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a story that's coming out. Um, PCR test basically is what a lot of uh, these COVID tests are, are, you know, when you get a a swab, it's either, it's either what it's either what's the rapid test. It's a PCR or what's the other one. Um, I, at this point, there's so many out that are out there. Well, nonetheless, um, the point is, is that, uh, there was a lot of research that was done that we're talking about purchasing these tests. And a lot of people went back and found out that China was ordering these tests in bulk as far back as I believe it was March or May of 2019. May of 2019. Yep. Which this wasn't even nearly reported until like, I mean, we we were talking about the first confirmed cases was like November. This is months before that. So it, exactly. it begs the question, were they expecting it to get to be as large as it got or, you know, cause it's somebody doesn't just, you know, your head of purchasing, you know, it doesn't just say, you know, <laughs> if we're going to need to order an extra million of these tests, like, well, and, and here's, here's the interesting thing about that story. So, so this was a story that came out in, let's see if I can bring it up here. So this is in, Nikkei Asia, and if, if for those of you, those of you that are 
up to speed with the finances throughout the world. The the Nikkei index is kind of like Asia's New York Stock Exchange, if you will. Um, so this is an article that came out in in AsiaNikkei.com. So Nikkei, N-I-K-K-E-I, just for your reference. So it's basically just, it, it was looking at, so the, the, the title of the article itself is China PCR test order soared before first confirmed COVID case. So basically what, what the very first paragraph you see here is that purchases of PCR tests in China's Hubei province, by the way, which is where Wuhan is. So the city of Wuhan is within the Hubei province, surged months before the first official reports of a novel coronavirus case there, according to a report by Australian Australia-based cybersecurity company Internet 2.0. So basically what they said in this article is that if you look at the PCR, so PCR tests, typically it implies um, tests for viruses, okay? And a lot of times it's done in respiratory tract specimens because typically that's where a good portion of human viruses cause infections. Um, So what they found was that if they compared the numbers from 2018 to 2019 for Hubei province for all the purchases they had for this PCR tests, they saw that the purchases in 2019 was double of what it was in 2018. And those numbers really began to rise significantly in terms of rate of purchases in May of 2019. Now, for the loyal listeners in the audience, okay, they may they may recall that I had mentioned a while back, as far back as probably last last summer of 2020, that if you looked at certain articles from the South China Morning Post, there were several articles dating back as far back as summer 2019. So around the same time, probably a little after these PCR tests orders started increasing dramatically of there were, there were news reports of this mysterious viral illness that was causing pneumonias in patients. Again, as far back as summer 2019, about six months before the actual China started officially reporting on what this was before we even know, knew what the hell was going on. You know, number one, what the pathogen was, Number two, what kind of virus it was once they found out it was a virus and so on and so forth. And then, you know, figuring out that it was a novel coronavirus at that point in time. So just very interesting that there was a six month period where China started seeing this occurring. And yet nothing was said about this. That's the irritating part about all this. The alarming part, let's put it that way. What's even more irritating, or the thing that at least pisses me off about this, is that when the WHO finally declared a pandemic in late January 2020, what they said, as soon as the next sentence, and I, I, I clearly remember watching that press briefing that day. I clearly remember it. It was broadcast on Twitter. I stopped what I was doing for work and I watched the entire press briefing. They finally declared a pandemic. I forgot what day it was, but I know it was late January, 2020. The next sentence after they they declared a pandemic, they said, we shouldn't, uh, and again, I'm paraphrasing at this point, but we shouldn't 
basically pin this on the Chinese. We shouldn't use this as an opportunity to, um, you know, to to have some sort of um, uh, racial remarks against the Chinese, or we shouldn't make this uh, an Asian thing or a Chinese thing, even though that that's where it originated. It's almost like they were protecting the Chinese from this. When in reality, you look back at the actual data, the Chinese knew about this probably at least six months in advance and did nothing to notify the rest of the world. Or maybe they did. Maybe they did notify, say, the, the WHO and the WHO covered for them. Mm. Why? Why is, that, why is that the case? Now, this is the reason why we wanted to pull out of the WHO. Because they're not really interested in the best interests of the United States. They're more interested in appeasing the Chinese, which really doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. And, and I don't mean that against the Chinese people. I mean that against the Chinese Communist Party. Okay. They're more interested in appeasing the CCP as opposed to really protecting the rest of the world. Okay. Why is that? Because China is one of their largest donors, as is the United States. But why they wouldn't appease us as opposed to China really doesn't make any sense to me. So that's why a lot of people are here within the United States are really pissed off at the WHO and really think that they're a useless organization, to be quite honest. What is the benefit of having the WHO? What do they do? <sighs> I... I mean, do they just basically collect statistics? I mean, that's something that our CDC does? Or... They do, but they also help with, you know... I... I mean, I've never heard There's of a something humanitarian, I, uh, you know, a humanitarian effort that has that was led by the WHO. I've never heard of that. And maybe well, they've a lot of them. I, I just don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of them are, and and it's more so more, more health related humanitarian efforts, where it's like the UN is more like broadly speaking humanitarian efforts, whereas the WHO is more like you know disease outbreak issues or addressing things like like. Um, like um, mother uh, uh, mother mortality during during childbirth or something like that. Like they they try to address those issues. They try to um, help uh, third world countries uh, develop protocols or or um, or treatment guidelines for how to take care of relatively basic healthcare needs. Um, so it's like they, they do things like that, but. Somebody made a good point that their their benefit, you know, what they did for world health or global health, if you will, was good, you know, 70, 50 to 70 years ago. But then within the past 30 years or so, they've become very political or so. And they've not really held the best interests of the world altogether. It's almost like they played more political games within the past 20 to 30 years as opposed to contributing very well to global, to global health altogether. And I think this pandemic really highlighted uh, a, lot of, a lot of the bullshit that, that WHO has put the world through. I mean, when, you're, you, you, know, when you declare a pandemic and the next, the next line after that is, let's protect the Chinese because we don't want people to racially profile Asians and all that other stuff, is is complete garbage as far as I'm concerned. And it's we not had our own politicians doing it here too. You know, I mean, uh, when we yes, started we to lock down our flights and, you know, no, no more flights from Florida or from China, we have Nancy Pelosi saying, uh, you know, th let's, we need to come out and to, to Chinatown, 
and we can't be xenophobic. Like, yeah, it's like it, that, I, I remember that. I remember that day. It was almost like the WHO was more worried about xenophobia than they were of protecting the world from 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 the worst pandemic in a hundred years. It's it was fascinating. I, I I was I wanted to throw my my phone out the window. As as I'm watching this unfold, I'm like, is this for real? Is is this is this a joke or or what is going on here? Like it just does it didn't make any sense to me. It really didn't. And I was fascinated by I was fascinated by the words that came out of the 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 director general's mouth at that at that during that that press briefing. Fascinating. I don't think I, I, don't think I remember hearing the term xenophobic more than I had in 2020. And it started yep. early in the year when they were talking about, you know, travel restrictions and everything to and from China. But it, then it just it seemed like it just kind of continued, right? Um, I don't know what month it was where there was that shooter. Remember the shooter? He was targeting like the massage parlors or, and such, right? He, yeah, in like, Atlanta. He, yeah, he legit said, like, I, I didn't shoot them because they're, they're Asian. He's like, I, sh- I shot them because they work in the sex industry or whatever he was alleging, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. but the media just wanted to say, no, this is who he was shooting. Like, it happened to be yeah. that's that's who the victims were. You know, it's, it's sad, yeah. it, but that's, they got targeted because of the massage and everything. But he said that he was traveling to Florida and he was going to go to some adult entertainment kind of thing and, and continue to wreak havoc there too. So, I mean, what if he had made it there? Would they still be talking about the fact that his initial victims were, were of Asian descent or would they be talking about everybody collectively? You know what I mean? But it, it was like that story, just they, they, they needed that to be the story. And then just they were immediately following that it was like this this two or three month uh time period where anytime there was some random act of violence in from in a city or or whatever it would always highlight what the demographic was and and it was it was an asian yeah right so it it was just like this constant barrage of 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 asian hate that was just being examined and listen i'm not going to deny i mean I feel like I feel like Asians deal with a brunt of racism that people don't even realize they're being racist doing yeah. than any other ethnicity. Yeah, and, and, I think so, too. So, so. So I get it. So I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't know what it feels like, you know, to be on that end of it. But I could only imagine. Yeah. So. Agreed. But you know, China starts with the the PCR tests, and now what, what do we got here? We got China officially declaring <laughs> George Soros as a global terrorist. <laughs> Is this for real? I, I didn't even like. I looked at the the news source that you shared here, and I, I was yeah. I, I've never heard of uh, geopolitical. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, apparently there is this a Russian website. Yeah, they're a Russian website, which which kind of tells you everything. So it's almost like. Uh, it's almost like the Russians are trying to instigate a fight between the Chinese and George Soros, <laughs> which is fine by me, I guess. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I hear this guy's name come up all the time, and his name was big in the whole QAnon thing. He was the enemy. He was pulling the puppet strings and orchestrating all this evil in the world and behind like babies being sold on black market to be sold to the elite so the rich could drink the blood of baby all this crazy i don't really know anything about who he is yeah i mean he's, he's kind of a mystery man but if you do enough digging you'll find some stuff about him now it, it depends on your source and and i and i caution people to really 
to really consider their source of of information when it comes to George Soros. So as far as I know, for what I've known for the past 10 to 15 years, he is not a good person. Okay. Um, But he, he is a, it's not, he's, he's worked in, for lack of better description, the hedge fund industry for a number of years. And he's made some pretty interesting, um, he's made some pretty interesting hedges on certain things that have occurred over time in the past, you know, for his lifespan, 91 years that have resulted, not, not that what, and it's, 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 it would be foolish for me to allege that the, the bets that he's hedged on certain countries have led to their actual economic collapse, but the timing has been very interesting. So it's almost like he's orchestrated it behind the scenes and it, it ended up occurring. Now, I can't give you any specific, any specific examples of countries where that's occurred, but he seems to be a relatively shady individual. Um, so apparently he, he, so it depends on, on the source that you look at. He's listed as a philanthropist. CNN did a whole ser- or, or a whole show on him, like a whole documentary on him on how he's a philanthropist and he, he donates money to various causes and blah, blah, blah. But then you look at other sources and he owns the, the, the news company Media Matters, which is a, a far left leaning uh, news organization, as far as I know. Um, he's donated to certain, um, to certain organizations that help to, um, help to, to drive a wedge between certain races of people within countries. He's tried to, he's, some of the things that he's done have either directly or indirectly led to the financial collapse of, of certain countries, smaller countries. Um, again, I can't give you specific examples, but I know that this has occurred. Um, so, so this one individual is responsible for an entire country's economic collapse. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. That, and again, allegedly. Um, but so he's not really, not really viewed as being for the most part, not really viewed as being a good person. Um, I think he does have quite a bit of an agenda. I think a lot of that agenda has to do with control, um, global control. So he may be part of an elite, and again, this probably sounds more conspiratorial than anything, but- of An elite cabal? Yeah, exactly. I, I personally think he, he probably is part of that. Um, but the interesting thing here is that, so he wants, so the theory is that the conspiracy theory is that he is part of this elite cabal throughout the world that wants to, um, control the world. This elite group of people wants to control the world. Okay. But the reason why China is coming up against him and, and I, you know, something to keep in mind is that both China and George Soros and George Soros's associates are considered to be far left when it comes to political or social and political leanings, if you will. Right. Um, but so why would China and George Soros be at odds with one another? Well, because they both want 
global control, but they want it for themselves. They don't want to share in it. Okay, so that, that, that's what people have to take away from this, from this particular article, is that they are fighting, they are competing for control of, of global power. That's really what it comes down to. This one man versus China competing against one another. I, listen, the, the Chinese are pretty formidable in terms of their, you know, how clever they are and the shit that they pull. But I, when it comes to billionaires and them getting a, several of them getting together and putting their resources together, it's fucking scary. Let's put it, it makes that way. me wonder, like, who, who does he associate with? Who are the other members of this this cabal? You know, it's like, what, what is what is that uh, Illuminati? The Illuminati and the, and the and the what is it the 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 Rothschild and the and the Bilderberg group, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I wouldn't I I don't trust him. Um, I I just think that you know the fact that he owns Media Matters and the fact that he has funded several um, several organizations that have basically been rabble rousers or started trouble throughout the rest of the world. Um, it just, it, it, it's, it, I, I, I don't like him. Well, I it's interesting don't. if he's, if he owns most left-leaning media outlets and they basically covered for China all of last year, why they would be, it's like, he just looked out for him, man. Why do you, why, why are you going after him? Well, cause th- this is what I posted on my, on my personal Facebook page is, it gets back to the to the old the old saying of is the enemy of my enemy my friend or my enemy now china and george soros probably would have gladly teamed up to bring down the united states because the us really is you know the the force standing between between you know how the world should be run and evil tyrants that want to take the world over so people want to complain about the United States and us sticking our nose in our business. But real, re, reality of the situation is for all the wars that we've gotten into in the past century that have included foreign countries, not once have we tried taking one of them over. Not once have we really invaded them and tried occupying that particular country and keeping it as our own as in the same way that, that Russia has done with, with all the other countries in Central Asia or in the Eastern Bloc of Europe. I know that's an old term, but you kind of get the idea. If, if you remember, you know, you know, the USSR in the, throughout the eighties and the, in the early nineties. I think we kind of wanted to do that with Afghanistan though. I mean, we had different reasons for going into Afghanistan, but for the reasons that we stayed there for so long, I think we, we wanted to convert that country into being more like us. Right. But I, I think the intention was for us to eventually get the hell out of there. Um, I mean, same thing with, you know, if, if prime, prime example is World War II. I mean, yeah, we defeated Germany, we defeated Italy, and we defeated Japan, but we wanted nothing with taking those countries over. We didn't want them to turn into, a, you know, the 51st, 52nd, and 53rd state of, of the United States. We wanted them to get back to who they were as for their own individual company uh, countries, but we wanted to ensure that, that that the tyrannical governments that they had went away and that they were more democratic altogether. But we had no intention of them being a part of the actual United States. It's a totally different ballgame. Mm. Now, if you look at Russia with what they did with the USSR, they, they took over all, a lot of those countries in Central Asia. They took over 
a good portion of countries in, in Eastern Europe, that's totally different. I mean, it's, it's, it's a totally different ballgame. So we've defeated countries in wars, but we said to them, listen, take your country back. You know, we're, we're done with this fighting. Take your country back because you need to do what's right for your people. So it's, it's different. Now, I mean, yeah, did we do some shady, shady shit? Sure. Say Vietnam, we probably shouldn't have been there altogether. But same thing with Vietnam. I mean, that kind of ended in a stalemate more than anything. But we really had no intention of taking it over. We were, we're really trying to stop the spread of communism on paper. That's what we were saying. But, you know, it's Panama. We invaded Panama in the late 80s, early 90s. But we gave it back to them. We didn't, we didn't occupy the country. Same thing with the first Gulf War. We went in, we kicked the shit out of Saddam Hussein, and we left. We made sure that they didn't that they didn't fuck around with Kuwait anymore. So it's it's different. It's you know, like we have the military might. We can certainly take over a good portion of, of the world if we want to, but we don't because that's not our intention. That's that's not what we're trying to do. So yeah, plus we can't even get shit figured out back here. <laughs> Try to get shit uh, figured yeah. out over there too. Well. So what do we got here? Vaccination related uh, employee departures at 24 hospitals. Yes. I didn't really get a chance to look through this one, but have you seen it affecting uh, your workplace? Um, people just refusing to get the, uh, get the vaccine and stepping aside. My, my workplace. No. Um, I mean, we don't, we don't work directly in hospitals right now. A lot of the work that we do is virtual infectious disease work. Um, but I, it's, it's not uncommon to, to see this. I mean, but when you look at the numbers, like for instance, I was listening to Sean Hannity this afternoon and he was saying that there was like over half a million healthcare workers that have left their jobs or have been forced out in the past, I don't know, a couple months because of vaccine mandates. That may sound like a lot, but if you think about it, that's a drop in the bucket compared to the total number of people that actually work in healthcare within the United States. That's, mm-hmm. that's a very small number. And if you look at this, at this particular article, it ranges anywhere from like 1% to 5% of the hospital's workforce. And the, house, the article itself really doesn't do a good job of, of really of segmenting like, you know, how many nurses, how many pharmacists, how many doctors, how many, uh, you know, for lack of a better description, how many dishwashers, how many uh, maintenance people were laid off because they didn't want to take the vaccine. They just kind of group everybody together saying like, you know, one to 4% of the hospital's workforce. So yeah. it's, it's really, it's really interesting to, 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 or it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting be, would... to see okay. how this pans out in terms of hospital functioning. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, I always go back to something that you had said earlier, and that's just in regards to, you know, people in the medical field. If you don't believe in medicine, why are you in that field to begin with? You know, this conversation came up at work, you know, there was something on the news in the background and there was like somebody said something like, yeah, those nurses, right? Last year's heroes, this year's zeros. They got to get, unless they get the shot. Like, well, why are they working in medicine if they don't believe in medicine? Yeah, and and see, but here, this is this has been a problem from day one, okay. And and a lot of this really has to, it has nothing to do with you know I'm questioning the science. It's more so politics, okay. And I and I hate to put it in that context, but unfortunately, that's really what it's come down to. 
it's about political beliefs and and all that other crap. Um, and I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm blaming Donald Trump for this, but realistically, if he came out at the end of February, and I still remember that night vividly, okay, it was end of February 2020, when he came out, made a, a, a national press briefing on the coronavirus and all this other stuff. And he came out right away and said, you know, this is just like the flu. It's, it's a cold for most people. It shouldn't be anything to worry about. I was literally, I wanted to put my fist through the dashboard on the car that I was driving because I'm like, how can you be so ignorant and come out with something like that when we don't know how this pandemic is going to pan out? We don't know. But unfortunately, with that and the tit for tat that went back and forth with Democrats and with the media and all that other stuff, the pandemic was turned into an absolute shit show from a political standpoint. And the innocent bystanders, for, for lack of a better description, that, that got caught up in the crossfire are the people that were, that were adversely affected by the actual pandemic itself. And it's been a political issue ever since. It's never really been about public health. It's never really been about, you know, let's do what's right for your fellow Americans and all this other stuff. It's, it's been just a tit for tat back and forth. And, you know, once... Once people get ingrained into one, into you know one train of thought, every time you try to the the slightest attack that you put on them, they're going to get defensive for it, and they're just going to shut down to any sort of logic and explaining to them, you know, the vaccine really isn't that bad, the pandemic is serious. You should probably wear a mask when you go out in public. You should probably refrain from large gatherings. People just, they shut down right away because they view it as a threat. Isn't it funny how, you know, when Trump was in office and he, you know, he was pushing the vaccine, everybody, all of his backers were just like, you know, he's going to, he's going to be able to get this thing through it. People believed in what he was saying, you know, what was back then, uh, remdesivir was the big push. You know, people were talking about taking that. And now that he's not, it's like his backers were just like, okay, well, since Trump's not in office, I'm not going to take a vaccine. Some people actually yeah. have an idea. I mean, I told you about somebody that I knew who, you know, just in, in passing, I was just like, oh, yeah, because this is when like gyms were opening back up. And yeah. um, a lot of places were, um, we were doing away with a lot of mask mandates. And I was just like, oh, you know, like this it said like, Oh, you don't need to wear a mask if you're, if you're vaccinated or whatever. Uh, like, Oh no, nobody has to wear them. I was like, well, I was like, did you, did you get it or, or no? Like, she's like, Oh, hell no. I'm, I'm conservative. I'm not getting that. Like, what does that have to do with anything? But this is the way some people think because yeah. that person isn't the only one that thinks like that. You know what I mean? This is just no. one small droplet of, millions of people that have this this idea i mean what are they saying like it's 186 million people i think that are fully vaccinated in the united states and what is our population yeah. 330 million so yeah. i mean we're more than half it's good but i mean yeah. when the first when the vaccines first started getting you know rolling out <clears throat> there was this idea that we were going to get back to some semblance of, of normalization but the talk was was herd immunity and what it would take to get to herd immunity. Now, if you have 180 million people 
that are vaccinated. Uh, see, this is, it's not going to matter anyway because we're finding out that people that are vaccinated are still actually getting the DZDs anyway. Yeah, they, I mean, yes, they're they're getting it, and that and this is what people are not understanding, especially the ones that are anti anti vax. And and I I blame the media for this because they sensationalize a lot of these stories as opposed to as opposed to presenting them with objective information. A lot of it, and and again, it's come down to you know, and that that's a sidebar type of thing of you know, our our media is a fucking joke right now, and it's really all about clickbait. It's about it's about advertisement dollars and all that other bullshit. It really has nothing to do with actually reporting the news objectively. It's, it's, it's a, it's a travesty as far as I'm concerned, but anyway, it, you know, that it, when, when, when the average person sees that, that, Oh, well you can have, if you've gotten the vaccine, you can still get COVID. They're not understanding in what context they just look at it as simply being black and white. Because everything's been presented to them as being black and white. You get COVID, you're going to die. That, that's, that's what a lot of people think. Or they don't think that. It's, it's either. And, and if you, if you look, at, look at what people are saying, it's like, oh, well, you know, the, the mortality rate is, is 0.5%. You know, so I have a 99.5% chance of surviving. Right, you do. But you're forgetting about all the spectrum of illness that you could have between being completely asymptomatic and fucking dying. Okay. It's a big spectrum in between. And yet they're, they don't seem to understand that they look at it as they're making it a black and white issue. And it's not, it's much more complex than that. Same thing with the vaccination. You know, nobody ha- ever has come out and said vaccines are going to put a force field around you and COVID won't come you know, to within 500 feet of you. Nobody's ever come out and said that. And yet the media has made it seem like, and a lot of our leaders have made it seem like that is the only answer to getting us out of the pandemic. And that's not the case. The vaccine, and I, we, we've said it on this multiple times, the vaccine is not, does not give you absolutely 100% protection. It's another layer of protection on preventing you from getting severely ill from COVID, but it is the best protection for you to prevent you from getting severely ill. Now, can you still contract COVID? Yes. Can you still get sick from COVID? Yes. Can you get severely ill from COVID? Yes, but the chances are very low. Can you die from COVID even if you've gotten vaccinated? Yes, but the chances are extremely, extremely low. And what people have to understand is that in comparison to people who are unvaccinated, all the indicators point in the direction of being vaccinated to protect you from COVID as best you possibly can. So it's all about minimizing risk is essentially what you're saying. That's, so the, the, that's but, really what it comes down to. But how come it what doesn't get discussed? I mean, it, it seems like it's all about the vaccine, right? Nobody talks about some of the treatments that we have in place that we're using, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, remdesivir, right. That was a, that was a big one. And now when they use the term monoclonal antibodies, is that what they're referring to? Is that one of the medications that they're talking or is that yeah. something different? So not much discussion gets paid to towards that as being a treatment yet. It's an effective in some cases treatment. Um, this new, this new pill from Merck, which I have no idea anything about, um, 
maybe you could expand on that if you know anything about it. But also, like ivermectin is has been used successfully in occasions. But you know, some people latch onto this idea. Like CNN was talking about Joe Rogan and using a, a, a horse deworming pill, and they would keep saying it to the point where he actually threatened to sue them because they were passing along this idea that he was taking it just like he went to his local vet and he's like hey give me some of that meanwhile it's it's prescribed by a a doctor you know what i mean but in in fairness i mean and he'll say openly like it's not like that's the only thing he was taking like he threw the kitchen sink at it you know he had that option he's you know vitamin drips and i think he was probably taking i think cpac who knows he was on basically everything and in in three days he was back to normal yeah, and 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 that's the thing that, that that's what people uh, have to understand. There there's a lot of variables that go into that equation. I mean, yes, Joe Rogan is fifty three years old or so, which you know may seem old to some people, but the guy's in damn good shape. He's in extremely extremely good shape, probably in better shape than ninety percent of twenty, thirty, forty, and other fifty year olds, guaranteed. I mean, the guy the guys if if you look at him, he doesn't look fifty three. He looks significantly younger. He's in damn good shape, he, and he has been for a number of years. So he takes care of himself. So that in and of itself is, is one layer of protection. Number two, he got the monoclonal antibodies, okay? So that helps to neutralize the virus, you know, once it, get into, it gets into your body. He took ivermectin. He's a single case. You can't, you can't pin his results on him taking ivermectin it's just it's you, you can't it's it there's a lot of variability there so in from a, st- a statistical standpoint you could say that that was a coin's flip chance that that he actually got better from from ivermectin we'll say compared to everything else exactly right. but but that's so, just it i mean nobody was talking about the fact that there are regimens that you can get on to help you get through this if you do get it now that's not to say that you couldn't add an extra layer of protection by getting vaccinated Right, exactly, and that, and that, and th- this is the the point that 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 I try to make with a lot of people. It's like, yes, the monoclonal antibodies are there; they're fairly effective. Sure, you could get remdesivir. You know, we know a lot better on how to treat the illness itself once you get infected. Dexamethasone is really helpful for people that are that um, are are you know need supplemental oxygen. Uh, same thing with remdesivir. So there, we know a lot better about it now. But the real question that you have to ask people is, why get sick to begin with? And the reason why I'm bringing that up is that the best way to, pre- to prevent getting symptomatic infection is by priming your immune system. So when you see the actual pathogen, your immune system neutralizes the, the virus before it causes systemic problems. The best way to do that is with vaccination. So you, like, like we've said on, on previous episodes, you are priming your immune system. So when your body does encounter the pathogen, you don't have that, that cytokine storm or that, you know, that, that crazy immune system response that, that a lot of people uh, got that landed them in the ICU, landed them on a ventilator, landed them unfortunately in the morgue as well. Mm-hmm. So you, it, the best way to avoid getting extremely sick is with vaccination. Whereas once you're infected, once you get sick, now it's a totally different ball game. 
So the real question is why get sick to begin with? A lot, a lot of people talk about natural immunity. Oh, you know, natural immunity is better than, than, than synthetic immunity from the vaccine. In what context? And it, what I would remind people of is that in order to get natural immunity, that means you have to be exposed to the virus, which means more than likely you're going to get sick from it, which means you have a chance of developing serious illness, getting hospitalized, ending up in the ICU on a ventilator and potentially dying. Why do you want to risk that versus getting a vaccine that helps to prevent the illness altogether? It's prevention versus treatment. It, it, it just, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Now, I mean, listen, if, if, people, if people want to take their chance, I guess it's fine. I'm not for mandating anybody getting a vaccine, but I really want people to think critically about these things. Like if anybody's ever gotten the flu, you felt like shit for probably two, three days. Why, why go through that? Why, why bother? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me when you get a vaccine that can help prevent that altogether, to help prevent you from getting sick altogether. And it's not just about getting sick from, from flu, it's the post-influenza bacterial pneumonias that end up killing people. That's what kills people, not the, the actual influenza itself. So why would you want to risk that? It just doesn't make any sense. It's like speeding on the highway at 150 miles an hour and not wearing a seatbelt. Why, why would you do that? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, because you're going 150 miles an hour, and even if you're wearing a seatbelt, you crash, you're probably going to die anyway. Right. So why not wear a seatbelt and actually drive the speed limit instead? Yeah, you're you're going to get your, to your destination just the same, not as quickly, but there's a higher likelihood you're actually going to get there, number one, and number two, you're going to get there alive. Number three, you're going to get there in one piece. Yeah. So it's a risk versus benefit. Like I, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But here, this is the problem why we're in the situation that we're in with so much hesitancy and so much defiance against, you know, these recommendations coming from, from our, our health authorities is that, um, you know, it hasn't been explained to them in that way. It hasn't been explained to them. This is about minimizing your risk, not eliminating it completely. And you have to look at the big picture. Our, our public health authorities have done an absolute awful job of translating the message appropriately to the American people. Hence the reason why I have so many people that are just so pissed off at, at government mandates and all that other bullshit that's come out in the past six months or so, if not a little longer. So that, that's why we're in the situation that we're in. Right. You know, we went from vaccination mandate or mask mandates to vaccination mandates. And you're seeing a couple of governors, including this one I saw that you shared was kind of, it made me chuckle because you have uh, I mean, Governor Abbott, or, uh, Abbott yeah, he just signed into law, uh, no mask mandates in Texas. I think DeSantis had already done so in Florida. But yep. in Idaho, it took their regular governor leaving the state for a little bit. And then his lieutenant governor just hop, hopped in the driver's seat and said, uh, all right, we're, uh, we're not going to have these mandates here. Executive order. That's become yep. like the big thing over the last couple of years, I feel like. The word executive order. Everything is done with executive order. Yep. Which here, goes, here, from, here. goes completely against our government and what it what it really what it stands for. To be quite honest, right? I mean, here in Connecticut, we just ex our our governor just extended his executive powers for another year, basically. I think until February. It's not quite a year, yeah. but six, six months. months or so. Yeah, 
But still, yeah. I mean, that basically is it's it becomes a dictatorship because you can just do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in in theory, yes, but in reality, are they do they actually become more of a dictator? And here's the thing, you know, with 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 Texas and Florida, I mean, you know, you're the the and I'm going to lose I'm going to use this term very loosely, but the quote unquote conservative base in both Florida and Texas are chairing these ideas that that the government is intervening. <clears throat> in how certain businesses can run altogether. <clears throat> now, the reason I bring that up is that, so the, so the, the state governments are, are, are dictating to private businesses and what they can can't do. I want people to, to think about that for a second. The state governments are dictating what private business can and can't do. Tell me how that is different from a state like Florida, like California, mandating that you have to wear a fucking mask outdoors, even if you have your own private business. So now you have the same ideology on two completely different ends of the spectrum. They are no, in, in ideology, they are no different from one another because now government is dictating what you can or can't do. Same thing with say, we'll, we'll take it a step further. Same thing with Texas abortion law. Okay, they determine who can and can't have an abortion. Okay, it's no different. I want people to really, really think that through. When you get the, the extremes on political ideologies, they are not much different from one another because it comes down to governmental control. Okay. So please, please keep that in mind when you start going on your rant about, you know, chairing for your political team. They're all wolves in sheep's clothing, as far as I'm concerned. Let's see here. Just because else? you agree with it doesn't mean it's right. No, no. Listen. I'll, I'll cheer for my my team even if they you know <laughs> so it's talking about the, the raiders their their old motto you know you ain't cheating you ain't trying <laughs> yep that's another it's another disaster in, in the making oh wow yeah john <sighs> this john gruden thing yep okay so here's the thing have you seen any of the emails or the context of any of what these emails were that they're talking about I have not. I've kind of heard snippets of them, but I don't. I haven't read any, through any of them. So, well, enlighten me. That no, I, I have nothing to enlighten you with. See, this is my whole thing. Like, I thought it was kind of crazy that ESPN was covering a story talking about John Gruden's emails from when John Gruden worked at ESPN. Right? They weren't monitoring. Yeah. Like, how did these emails come to light now? From what I understand, it's because there's an ongoing investigation. I think it started with a lot of the what was going on working for Washington Redskins at the time, now Washington football team. But a lot of the allegations of sexual harassment and everything, you know, wrongful treatment um, within the ranks there. And I think the NFL took it over and they were going through this. But all I've seen, all I've heard is, you know, he said 
explicitives. He's used racial undertones. He said you know, homophobic things and this, but I haven't seen, not that I expect them to, you know, to show on TV, you know, and bombs all over the place. You know what I mean? But like yeah. nothing, nothing in no context of anything. Just like he said bad things. All right, he's gone. Well, what did he say? doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. kind of weird to me. Like, why, why aren't they sharing what the evidence is? Like, he's in the trial of public opinion now, but we're not going to present any evidence. We're just going to say what his, his, his crime was, essentially. You know, it's something that you and I have talked about before, yeah. this whole, like, idea of due process when you're being court, tried in a, in a court. Of, I watched this uh, Amanda Knox documentary from Netflix um, just recently, and... They were saying one of the arguments that they they hinged their decision on at the Supreme Court level was the fact that there was a lot of information that was released, whether it was wrong or, or right. Basically, she got tried in the crime or, or in the court of she got tried in the court of public opinion before she even set foot in a, in, a, in a trial. So basically, her fate was already sealed. Yeah, you know. But th that's what I'm getting at is that you know before we just we, we'd like to just. We want to find somebody to vilify. Like, I, I, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure these emails weren't pretty to read, I'm sure. Especially, you know, to get to where that, but how come we're not going to release what the context was? I, that's, that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, release all of them. Sure. You know, somebody can make the argument, you know, from, uh, is it from uh the sec not securities and exchange commission but what the hell's the 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 college football oh oh sorry fcc the federal oh, communications commission. commission yeah commission whatever um i'm sure there's something that goes against their standards for public release of stuff especially with salty language and and hateful language and all that other stuff, which is fine. I get it. But at least warn the audience, say, you know, the following has, you know, quote unquote, salty language in it, has homophobic language, at least release it. And then, and then people can kind of, you know, draw their own conclusions from there. And, and I, you know, and I would also remind people that remember your opinion on the matter really doesn't matter from, you know, in, in the, in the grand scheme of, of, you know, legal action and all that other stuff, your opinion really doesn't mean shit. It's really <laughs> with the court proceedings and all that other stuff, but at least it kind of gives you a better idea to your point, you know, at least, you know, show me what actually happened. Now I, I don't doubt that that actually occurred, but give me something to go by. So at least I could say, Oh yeah, kind of did make a lot of shitty statements. Yeah, the state um, is. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, of all the outlets, like nobody's shared this yet. I mean, and, and to what you were saying before about like, you know, putting, you know, publishing salty language. Salty language. I was looking for a different word, but abrasive, yeah. homophobic. <laughs> um, you know, publishing that, you know, across the TV at that 6.30 news is probably not the best thing. But there's been plenty of other instances where, you know, you've shown the context, you've shown, you know, put an underline for where whatever curse word or whatever, you know, 
but it's just i don't know to me i, I just thought yeah. it was a little bizarre so uh apparently there was a, a, a human trafficking sting in ohio 161 people uh, what i got from the article was every time they basically found one person it led to eight more people being found and mm-hmm. this, this thing just this web just kept getting expanded and expanded 161 people were involved in it it's insane that's a lot of people that's a that's lot, a lot. And, and it was several public officials too it wasn't just like you know private oh, citizens it was you get firemen, a, fireman, a, a, a city councilman, and all this other stuff. It's just insanity. But it just got, and I, I can't say I'm surprised, but I mean, like, and it's not just, it's not unique to the United States. I think this idea of human trafficking and, and just, uh, you know, abuse of other human beings, enslavement has been around for for centuries and for thousands of years and to think that it's going to go away anytime soon is foolish but it's still disgusting it really is of course is. i mean it's, christ the pyramids were built with slaves you think they they weren't bought and sold no the aliens built those this is true <laughs> but, the, but the humans the humans were put here to be slaves for the aliens now you're on the right track mm. Aliens enslaved us. They did. They did. I mean, not me, but you kind of get the point. Was it the idea? <laughs> Excuse me. Initially, we were we were put here to harvest gold. The the Anunnaki. That's it. Yes. When they went to ancient Sumeria. Hmm. Right down the street. Yeah, but it, it's it's yeah. just. I mean, like you take Sesame getting... Street to get there. <laughs> In the yellow brick road. Hmm. Um. It, it it's just it's horrific it, it really is i mean whether it's you know trafficking children for the sex for the sex trade and all this other stuff or just you know women that have been kidnapped in foreign countries or you know volunteered their their you know bodies for for this particular trade it's it's disgusting and the fact that there's still a, a market for it is just is horrifying like if if my you know god forbid god forbid my children ever got kidnapped and put into some sort of human trafficking trade i would literally be like like liam neeson in taken i would literally make it my my life's effort to find these people and to and to wipe their history off the face of the earth i i i would literally give up everything that i have and just make my, my life's mission to get my kids back and to and to bury these fucking people. Yeah. But I, I, I would literally do that. You know, these a lot of these third world countries though, I mean, it, it's it's no problem to get somebody sold into this idea because oh, it's, it's horrific. They have nothing, they come from nothing. So basically, yeah, and this you, is you sell this, people this the is, idea, especially down in South America. You sell people the idea, I'm going to get you to America. You want to go to America? You want to live the American dream? I'll get you there. Yeah. They don't realize it comes but, with that kind of price. Oh, yeah. But this is the problem when you have poor leadership in a country. You have, you have leaders in a country that are only in what they're doing for themselves and not for their people. When you're a public servant... You need to, you, you are, you're sacrificing part of your life to serve your people. Okay. Get shit done. I don't care how fucking poor your country is. 
you get shit done. You don't just take money from people and, and you don't give a fuck about anybody else. That that makes you a parasite. That that makes you the lowest of, of all human beings. You're gonna crash You're the, the scum of again. the earth. You're gonna crash the internet again. Good. I hope <laughs> they hear me this time. <laughs> uh last but not least, the official cause of death for Gabby Potato has been released. This it's 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 horrific to laugh but the the way you said it was actually pretty funny <laughs> meanwhile her boyfriend laundry still on the loose yeah so like i, I was listening to to cnn you know, dog that bounty hunter is after him yeah did, did you see the thing that i posted on facebook about that no what do you got if dog the bounty hunter finds brian laundry i'm never paying taxes again <laughs> that's pretty accurate yeah all yeah. the human resources that are devoted to finding this one guy who they know or do they just went into went for a hike never to be seen again the whole yeah. thing's weird man the whole thing's weird he's definitely getting help oh without a doubt without a, I'm, I'm sure his, his parents were involved from the beginning I mean, for, for them to be so nonchalant about everything and now all of a sudden you know like going to Starbucks while their son is is on the loose and there's a national manhunt for them like making it seem like it's business as usual i mean come on well you're gonna need to stop for you're gonna need to stop for a cup of coffee eventually anyway if i knew that that my son was a suspect in murdering his fiance i'd be out there fucking searching for myself and then once i find him i'd beat the shit out of him (laughs) for what he just did so why these parents are making it seem like this is kind of like business as usual is beyond me Maybe I'm the weird one for thinking that, but for, for the love of Christ, if my child was, was even remotely involved in something like that, I, I, I would, they, they would be praying that I don't find them first. Yeah, I mean, this thing is going to go on forever, I feel like. If he's even alive, he's got to be alive yeah. the way that they're acting. They know something. Of course. Probably Mexico by now. He may or Cuba. Yeah. Or yeah, you're right. Being being from Florida might be in Cuba. Who knows? I don't know, buddy. But I do know that Let's Go Brandon has become like my new favorite chant. <laughs> I love this thing. Oh my god, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the the crowd, let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going (laughs) to... It's definitely not, let's go, Brandon. (laughs) Like, that dude was, like, in the middle of it. He's, like, he was so happy that he won a race. But he's just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You think that's what they're saying? What a strange week. What a strange week. It was nice to get back and... uh, get this back together yes it was Uh oh oh well these things happen but uh yeah hope to uh hope to get back keep these things going on a regular basis again it's gonna be nice you know especially as they uh, we we start getting towards the uh, get towards the cold weather and people staying inside just it's tough in the summer it's tough when there's things going on families friends there's always something going on but thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye, folks. There we go. Dave Chappelle. 
Official Queensbridge murderers, the mob comes equipped for war.